people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast i hope you're all doing well and safe i hope you're all in good spirits i hope you're all in good health and yeah man obviously there actually is not that much to talk about in relation to the football world of course we'll touch on transfers as we are in transfer season we know covid is playing a mad part games are being postponed play every week a new player is in hot water after having some sort of gathering you know we've seen lacelso we've seen lemayna and a couple of this uh, the spurs players west ham the same even arsenal at a point in uh, in since this covid thing's been a thing you know mendy's in hot water as well at manchester city um you know mitrovic has caught a lot of heat from his manager scott parker so yeah man one, one has to wonder at what point do these players have to be a bit more sensible. I mean, a lot of people criticising these players in normal society are having gatherings themselves. I know they'll turn around and say, well, these players are in the public spotlight. Well, they are. And, it, and I guess we're going to get to a point where, again, you're seeing, again, we're going to get onto the FA Cup, but Villa might have to play their under-23s. We know, I think, Derby their first team and their manager at the moment Wayne Rooney will play no part in the tw- in, in the FA Cup game and there's a couple of things so at what point you know even if you don't if it's even if it's not with the government the guideline at what point are these are the clubs going to save players for themselves because again there's more testing to come definitely in relation to the 72 clubs in the English footballing league and at what point are the clubs going to start finding players because again you're the club the players are the club's investment and every time that you're missing because of covid you put your health at risk you're not allowed to play for them and you're also potentially compromising other members of not just that playing squad but the whole footballing club anyone that you come in, in interactive with you know you've seen a couple of training grounds have had to close and have been closing at what point are clubs going to say listen stop pissing about pardon my language i need you lot to be safe it's not sensible i get it everybody feels like a caged animal but we need to be a bit more sensible people let's actually crack on with the fa cup because fa cup weekend arsenal are the defending champions you know we've got newcastle and i hope we can do a thing against them but first and foremost today at 7 45 you have aston villa versus liverpool now that fixture already at least where the league is concerned has threw up some shockers as you lot remember villa defeated liverpool 3-2 um, 7-2 apologies for liverpool again you'd expect them to win but on the face of it they're not that they're struggling because they are struggling by their own standards they're dropping silly points in the league there's a lot of injuries you know Klopp hasn't ruled out signing the center half and maybe it's a bit of mind games but he actually hasn't sounded too apologies people taking off my hat um he hasn't sounded too bullish on it and we know they need a center half some of some will even go as far as to say if liverpool do not sign the center half they won't re- retain that league title and to be fair i could see the logic you know liverpool are struggling you know again with, you'd imagine if they if they keep going through these problems i think they've tried like 14 different defensive partnerships that's not the stability that wins you league titles and i think in, in the premier league i do think fans underestimate stability you know look at what Klopp. you know stability and improving players two things that people underestimate with Klopp and in coaching look how some of those players ha- have been improving year on year look at the stability they had last year now at a point this season of course Liverpool have still pulled through with with a mad of injuries and that shows the length of the, the playing squad of the team but you know they've got a lot to play for at this moment in time they're still in the FA Cup I'm sure they want to advance in the Champions League as much as they can I'm sure they would love to retain in, in, in the league and 
can um, claim a second dom domestic league title in a lot of Liverpool fans' lifetimes. One has to wonder how difficult is that going to be with the run of games and the fixture pile up without a centre-half. And I know it's easier said than done. You don't just want to sign a centre-half for the sake of it. You need someone that can long-term be part of what Liverpool want to do. And obviously better than what they have you know with all due respect to Reese Williams the young man and players like that if you're not bringing in someone that's better than that evidently there's no point and again we know with Covid we know um, the financial um, impact that's had in the transfer market and on Liverpool I don't know what finances they have to play with um, and obviously in January people don't want to sell players because they're normally key parts of their squad also everybody knows you're desperate like you could say Liverpool are desperate for a centre-half really and truly Fabinho's done well but like I said 14 different partnerships around that centre-half pivot so it's going to be a shocker um, and again, apparently Aston Villa might have to go with their 23s players. And I think that's where the, F the FA need to make a decision on this. Now, a full-strength Liverpool team versus Aston Villa is, is what both of these teams deserve. And I think, you know, I know the FA has come out and said, you know, there won't be any sanctions and teams won't be forced to forfeit. But I mean, come on now, you know. Aston Villa, just say they wanted, they've been to a final, you know, in 2015 because we beat them in Arsenal. Say that was a mandate. Say that's a goal. They're significantly weaker. So I think it kind of, it waters down the spectacle for the fans because obviously Villa are not going to have a full strength team. And obviously, you know, Liverpool, if they're playing a bunch of kids, if Liverpool are playing against some under 23s, they're going to wipe the floor with them. You know, you'd hope that there's a decent level of performance. Liverpool probably rest players themselves. But it, I know life isn't fair, but it isn't fair. I mean, and I know. You know, the fixture calendar of last year and this season is being disrupted even more so. But again, postpone it. It's, it's, this isn't serious. You know, again, for me, this, this kind of harms the credibility of the FA Cup and the prestige of the FA Cup more so than being, a, a, you know, not that it's not the Premier League, but you get the point. So it is what it is. But anyways, Aston Villa will face Liverpool. They'll welcome Liverpool in the third round. Aston Villa have lost six six sorry, of their last seven FA Cup games against Liverpool. The last time they won was actually in the semi-final in 2015 at Wembley and that was when they got to the final. So there's inspiration there. Um, on each of the last three occasions, Liverpool have eliminated Aston Villa from the FA Cup. They've gone on to reach the final. So that could be a positive omen for Liverpool, the club and the fans. You know, since obviously beating Liverpool in the 2014-15 semi-final, Aston Villa have lost their last three FA Cup games against Premier League teams by an aggregate score of 10-0. So make of that what you will. Liverpool have been eliminated from four of the last six FA Cup ties against fellow Premier League teams, with the two exceptions in that run, both coming in the third round against um, Everton twice, people, which they won 1-0 in 2019-20 and 2017-18, they won 2-1. So that's bound to be a... A good spectacle. I'm not too sure the fitness for a number of players at Aston Villa. You know, I don't know for Grealish and the rest of them. It's just headlines are saying they will be playing a number of 23s players. And I think the FA have a decision to make over that, people. Um, in the second match that will be played today at 7.45, you have another Midlands team in Wolverhampton. Wolves will welcome Crystal Palace. This should be an interesting game. I know Nuno probably has a lot of anger to take out on opposition sides because he's been very vocal on the problems of COVID. And he also, you know, for me, I think it's, it's rather sad that Nuno was fined for, the, for his referee comments. And I think, you know, again... 
There's a way to criticize. I'm not. If he came out and blasted the refs and said this, that, and the other, of course he can't. He can't complain. But I just feel like journalism in this country, England, for those who don't know, I think refs are protected. I'm not saying you must bash refs. Obviously, they make mistakes. But I just feel in a day and age when we're seeing mistakes every week, whether that's the VAR stuff and whether that's people missing basic calls, I don't think the refs are above criticism. And why can't a manager have that saying? You know, if a manager doesn't think somebody is levels, they're allowed to say that. You can criticise their players, you know, he could come out and criticise his own players, the ex-players, he can say what he wants about the manager, he can say he can even get onto the club, but he can't talk about refereeing, and the referees are not, they're like the players and the manager, they're not above criticism, if you're not cut up to task, you should hear that, and then take that information on board and move forward, I don't, listen, he never, he never questioned the integrity of, 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 of the referee, he never said he's a cheater, he just questioned his, his you know, his ability to, to keep hold of a game, and he's within that, you know, if he knows he's got, if he, if Nuno knows that the opposition he's playing has strong characters, he knows his team has strong characters, he, you need someone that can control that, and if he doesn't doesn't think the ref is levels he's allowed that you know it, it the refs are protected for not for what reason you know there's a we in england have the most incompetent refs across the top five leagues it's a fact national tournaments you know at, at max one british or premier league man referee is going you know last world cup how many english referees were there like arsene wenger said you know there's a reason it's incompetent in this country and it's almost you're protecting them it's like the journalists do you not know, remember mezzi ozil remember we played spurs a couple of years ago and Right, you're allowed to have your opinion, but in the build-up, you know, they were doing Spurs versus Arsenal um, combined 11s, you know, they were not putting any Arsenal players, they were saying this, that and the other about about Arsenal and Spurs saying Oz wasn't this, Oz wasn't that, and you know, Oz had to take it, you know, we won the match, obviously you can come and talk your stuff, and he added, he added one of the, the, the journalists, and then the journalist started crying, woe is me, and you shouldn't get at me, and things like that, if you talk nonsense, you should get at, everyone should be held accountable, whether you're a journalist, a YouTuber, a player, whatever, and I, I just feel it feels the refereeing is above criticism in this country rather than take on what he has to say what why find him and i know many people say oh you could tell them in silence and things that defeats the purpose you know they should be the public should show because we have opinions i know everyone you know the referee is always bad depending on who you ask every week but come on now i think the referees are too protected in this country and for, for what reason it's not like they're the best in the best in the world they're some of the worst and incompetent you've got referees missing basic decisions game in game out unclear something will happen across both those games if it's a penalty and if there'll be a reason why it's not a penalty in one game and then the other you know you have to question the fitness levels i think the likes of mike dean and people like this i think they're trying to be like previously mark clattenberg I don't think they're referees. I think they're superstars. You know, they try and be superstars. They make the game about theirs. They try and let their nuts hang and show that they've got the biggest set of balls on the pitch. You know, it, there's a lot of incompetencies with refereeing and the whole structure needs to change. So, Nuno, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry that you got fined, but it is what it is, man. Back to Wolves versus Crystal Palace. I'm sure both teams would like a cup run. Wolves and Crystal Palace actually haven't met in the FA Cup since 2010. 10 years ago people if you lot remember i'm pretty sure he played for crystal palace um somebody scored a six minute hat trick people in the 3-1 win for crystal palace at selhurst park i give a tenner to anyone who gets it within the next 30 seconds because i'm sure not a lot of you won't will sorry and if you're a crystal palace fan it doesn't count it is danny butterfield 
you know not too many men will remember him three of the three of the five previous fa cup ties between these two teams have gone to replays all the replays have been won by crystal palace um when the, when it hasn't gone with with a replay it's been won by wolves so make of that what you will crystal palace were actually eliminated at this stage last season people the last time they went out at cons- at, the, at this stage in consecutive seasons was between 1991 and 92-93. Wolves have been eliminated in six of their last eight third round ties. They went out last season against Manchester United and I'm sure nobody nobody wants to go out of any cup at the first round of asking people. You've got Boreham Wood versus Millwall. You know, come on Boreham Wood. I'm cheering Boreham Wood all, on all the way. You know, we don't support them boy there. Hopefully they can pull up an upset. You know, this is Boreham Wood's first appearance in the third round of the FA Cup and their first competitive tie against Millwall people so hopefully they can do a, biz- a lot of business I'm not going to waste any more time speaking about their opposition come on Boreham Wood you know Arsenal Arsenal's 23s play their home ground home use that as their home ground use it as their home pitch play their home games on it so it's almost like a way of supporting Arsenal you know Boreham Wood it'd be nice obviously it's a, the one shameful thing and it's due to Covid really no one's fault is that some of these teams can't take advantage of gate receipts. It's unfortunate that a team like, you know, Bournemouth can't do that. You've got Everton against Rotherham and welcoming them to Goodison Park, people. So, yeah, each of the previous five meetings between these two teams um, have been in the League Cup. And in 2018-19, Everton won 3-1. You know, you've got Luton versus Reading, which I think is a very good game. Very good game, people. You know, I'm keen to see who wins that. That's a 12 o'clock game. I will be watching that. Luton versus Reading is going to be a good game, people. Um, The last time they played each other in the FA Cup was in 1963 and Luton won on... um, on that occasion but if you look at the league cup you know reading were eliminated from the league cup by luton this season so there could be revenge um luton are looking to reach the fa cup fourth fourth round for the first time since the 2012-13 campaign and when you look at it reading actually have quite a poor record against luton away from home you know reading have won just one of their last eight fa cup away games people um well sorry i meant in the fa cup in general the last time um you know they beat they beat Blackpool 2-0 at this stage last season. So Reading, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're two key players for them this season. Amari Richards is being linked with Bayern Munich. Very good left fullback, formerly at Fulham. And Miguel, Miguel Alise, he's got an £8 million release clause. Allegedly, is grow, his admirers in the Premier League are growing week in, week out. And I think teams have to take a chance, you know. Even when I say take a chance, you know, Ben Rama cost 30 million, Olio Hopkins cost 30 million, you know, Eze cost a decent fee, but Ben Rama 30 million, if I haven't said him, you know, the championship is costing people money these days. I'm not saying they're not worth it, but again, you can't really get bargains like that. But I do think there are, there is some bargains to be had. And I do think Elise is someone people should be looking at at Reading. Definitely Amari Richardson at 8 million. You know, for the France slash England under 21 individual, you can't go much wrong. And on top of that, I'm pretty sure he tops the charts for assists at Reading and I'm pretty sure he's up there statistically in the top five leagues for, for, you know, in comparison, really. Um, And and all them other metrics like passes leading to goals and things. It is quite interesting when you look at it. Um, But we'll leave the transfer news for later, people. Nottingham Forest will play Cardiff. Cardiff will travel down to Nottingham. You've got Norwich City versus Coventry. Two teams that when I think of them playing each other, I always think of James Madison. Um, You know, two teams that actually have quite a good relationship with buying players of each other, really and truly. Coventry are looking to reach the fourth... FA Cup round in consecutive seasons for the first time since 2007, 8 and 08, 09. Obviously, Coventry has a 
has a current Arsenal player in Ben Schaaf on loan there. So we wish them all the best. Obviously for Norwich, they've got four Maguna, Josh Martin. So I'll always be supporting them. You know, Derby County were meant to travel to Coley. And again, the FA could change at any moment. But as things stand, at 12.15, they will travel to Chorley. I cannot pronounce that name without Wayne Rooney and the rest of their first team, allegedly. Um, but this will be the very this will be the very meeting between Chorley and Derby. The very first one, I guess. Derby are the highest ranked. Are the highest ranked since this? This is not making sense, people. Who writ this? Derby are the highest ranked since in the Premier League period that surely have faced since losing six 0 against Notts County in the FA Cup. I mean, Opta, please make sure someone that isn't dyslexic is writing this. With all due respect to those that are people, this is the first time Coley have reached the third round of the FA Cup, people. So again, make of that what you will. And I think the FA has got to, got to be involved. When you look at fixtures like that and potentially Villa, you have to postpone this. I'm sure both both managers, ironically, I don't think they want to postpone it. I'm sure they don't want to go out of the cup, but it's just another game and another game, another 90 minutes unnecessarily potentially in the legs for some of their players. And I'm sure, you know, there's other priorities. You know, Blackburn Rovers will welcome Doncaster to their place. And again, Tyrese John Jules is on loan there. So we, we always wish the best for Arsenal young players, people. That'll be an interesting one. You know, I'm keen to see what Adam Armstrong and the rest of it at Blackburn have to say. Blackpool will welcome West Brom to their place. Wickham will play Preston. It'll be a West London derby as QPR welcome Fulham. I know Fulham is technically Southwest, but yeah, you get the point. Stevenage welcome Swansea. Burnley will play MK Dons. You've got Bristol Rovers against Sheffield United, who can't buy a win in the Premier League. Oldham Athletic will play Bournemouth. You know, you've got Stoke City against Leicester City. You know, Stoke have just confirmed the loan signing of Rabi Matondo, formerly of Cardiff and Manchester City. And he, he joins from Schalke. I'm sure Leicester will use that as an opportunity to potentially rest players and give opportunities to players that haven't had a look in really and truly. Exeter against Sheffield Wednesday. Brentford will play Middlesbrough and Brentford fresh off the disappointment of sadly losing and we're going to get into it in the EFL Cup against Spurs in the semi-finals. So close but so far two playing in the final outright. You know, you've got Huddlesfield against Plymouth. Manchester United will not be playing in the EFL Cat Yarabel Cup final, but they will be playing tomorrow at 8pm against Watford. And, you know, I didn't understand personally resting Eric Bailly against Manchester City to I assume use him against Watford but fair play you've got Crewley Town versus Leeds you've got Bristol against Portsmouth Chelsea versus Morecambe and I'd love to see a number of Chelsea young players play especially that Jude Bell I can't remember his name man he's got he's got a double bowed one but he's like 17 years of age he's a good striker and he's smashing up teams at that level I'd love to see a couple of under 18s and 23s at Chelsea get take advantage of that and who knows man I mean Chelsea fans when Havart scored I swear Havart scored against North Hampton or some team like that like a hat-trick and they said he's back so I'm sure this is a game at his level I'm sure you spent 90 million for this I've got to do it Chelsea fans you lot were getting that Pepe and them things there so when I see you lot got a flop at the moment this moment in time I'm going to enjoy it obviously on a serious note maybe it's worth playing Havertz and Werner and allowing them to get their confidence against a, a weak opposition You've got Manchester City against Birmingham. You've got Cheltenham against Mansfield. I'm not sure if I said it, but you've got Crawley Town against Leeds. You've got Bristol City against Portsmouth. You've got Barnsley against Tranmere. You've got Marine against Spurs. So Spurs firmly keep getting easy draws. Stockport will welcome West Ham. Newport against Brighton. And again, that's a good game for um, Ben White. I'm sure Ben White was on loan at Newport once upon a time. 
Um, Barnsley against Transmere, if I haven't said it. And obviously, you have to save the best till last. Arsenal will play Newcastle. And, you know, I know Andy Cowell has quite a good record against us. I know Lacazette and Aubameyang have good goal-scoring records against them. So, that's the thing, you know. Please check out my YouTube content and check out my Arsenal versus Newcastle preview for more specifics. But I am keen to see who Arteta goes with up front because there's every reason for every one of those strikers. You know, for me, you, there's every reason you go Martinelli up front, you know, Pepe on the left and bring Willian in because I do think he wants to do something like that. Um, I would want to keep Saka at right wing. I would want him to get a rest. You know, I would like to see Pepe play for me. I would probably go Pepe, Martinelli, um, and personally, Lacazette, because I feel, you know, Lacazette, I feel you can't drop too many players out of form. We, I know it, it is a chance to rest players, but we are defending this cup. Um, and I do want to get to the final and probably win it again. Obviously, it's a trophy. We all know what the trophy did for us beyond just being a trophy last year. It got us into the Europa League and it allowed us a tiny bit more pennies to spend. Um, so I, I feel if I'm going to take Saka out of the lineup and things like that, I can't, I can't do too much of that, especially with the delicate form we find ourselves in. Um, but I think striker is the hardest decision because for me, you can't drop like is it? he's scoring goals, he's playing well, he's in form, you want to play. You don't want to mess up people's groove, he's into the swing of things. Equally, I understand, you know, it's, there's always going to be pressure on Aubameyang whenever he's not scoring. But I could understand the logic in playing Aubameyang, like we were saying in other games, you know, you play him, maybe he grabs a goal or two and you're hoping that, you know, the Aubameyang of last season and previous campaigns is away, came back after taking a holiday off. I don't really want to see it, but I understand if he plays Eddie and Ketty or he hasn't played, he always tries to find an occasion. Balogun's been linked with a move away and latest reports have said he is close to agreeing a move to a foreign club. I'd imagine it's Stuttgart or if I'm missing that, it should be. That's a banker for you. Um, you could say him personally, if Balogun's had it dead set on leaving and things, I think we might as well just accept that it's an L and just give these opportunities to elsewhere because why are we developing players for other people if he's not going to stay here? Um, so I'm keen to see. Obviously, I'm buoyed by the news that Gabriel and Partey are fit and are allowed to play. Again, if Partey is, is 100% fit, play him. If he's 98% fit, I don't want him to play because the gamble against Spurs, we lost him for even longer than that. Um, and we've only got one party. Like, if you're honest with us, if you're honest with yourself, actual centre mid pivot options at Arsenal, we don't have a good partnership. And I, it's only party. Party is the only levels defender. El Nene, you know, he's played with party a lot. He'll do all right. But El Nene's showing you his level. Xhaka will keep polarising opinion. Joe Willock is like a duck out of water. So Bios will not be made permanent and hasn't played like such to deserve such. So again, a. A club that wants to play top four and all these things to not have a suitable midfield partnership or a pivot or a decent option tells you why we're at where we're at. And it's almost like pick your poison. But hopefully I can, in an ideal world, Gabriel and Partey come and get some minutes in the legs and whatnot. You know, Gabriel's had to quarantine and he's had suspensions and whatnot. Um, so yeah man I'd love to see Partey get 60 minutes or so. Obviously I'd love 90 but 60 and then come off. We'll have to see. Um... And again, it's a tough one because, again, I don't think anybody deserves to lose their place. I, I would like to see Maitland-Niles come in. I um Again, you know, I'd, I'd actually start Tini, but again, I could see if Tini's rested, Saka moved to left-back. But um 
I would like to see Maitland-Niles brought in. He could even go left back and let Cedric. Um, you know, I would like to see Gabriel, but really Holden and Marie don't deserve to lose their spaces. You know, Ceballos came in and done very well for me at West Brom. I think he don't deserve to lose his place. Neither does Jacker at this moment in time. You know, Smith-Rowe deserves to continue. And I think, you know, can you show it for a fourth game in a row now? We're getting closer to 10 games. You know, when we get to 10 games, I want to see your base level of performance. And so far, you've dropped some decent performances. I expect your, your performances to kind of filter in and drop some 5 out of 10s because he's playing to a high standard right now and naturally these young players go through patches but I always say 10 games I need to know what I'm getting from you and 3 games on the trot now I've seen a good level of performance hopefully it can continue for Newcastle you know they've not been doing too well this season to put it nicely you have to go back to the end of November early December for the last time they won in the league looking at their recent results what they got batted against Leeds they lost against Leicester the only you know a good point against Liverpool you've got to give credit for that a mixture of Liverpool not taking their chances and Newcastle holding in it's one more point than we've got off Liverpool in the league you have to respect it and like I said they were dumped out by Brentford in the, in previous cup competitions and there's pressure on Steve Bruce so I'm sure when they travel to the Emirates they're going to want to do something against us people when you look at it um, having lost their their first three cup ties with Arsenal in the FA Cup, well, I mean with Newcastle in the FA Cup, Arsenal have progressed slash won four of their last five against the Magpies in the competition. Most recently was a 3-0 win in 2007-2008. Um, Newcastle's last three away games against us in the FA Cup have all ended in 3-0 defeats, people. Arsenal have only been eliminated at the third round stage of the FA Cup in one of the last 24 campaigns. I'm sure you'll all remember in 2017 that happened to us against Nottingham Forest. Newcastle have been eliminated from 10 of their last 11 FA Cup ties against fellow Premier League opposition. The last time there was an exception to this rule was when they beat Blackburn Blackburn, sorry, in January 2012. So make of that what you will and we will see what that is saying now. I should have done this at the start, but going back, I'm sure you all saw midweek EFL action. You know, this week I've watched Saliba. Saliba's gone alone to Nice and he done quite well against Brest. You know, I, I'm not going to say quite well, that's gassing it. Um, quick word on him. I think he's going to learn a lot in Nice. You know, the structure of Nice on the field is a mess. They're very inexperienced. They're going to concede a lot of goals. There's going to be a lot of tough lessons, but he's going to learn a lot. He's going to have to thrive within a madness, in my humble opinion. Um, you know, and both the goals they conceded, I wouldn't say they're his fault, but he Definitely the whole back five, midfield as well, but that whole back five had a part to play. They, they're they very young, very naive, very poor structure. Nice are going to have a long season. And at least for Saliba, he can get minutes, kind of use it to his advantage. But like I said, I've been watching Nice. I've been watching, you know, I watched Pochettino's first game for PSG. They drew with St. Etienne. Um, you know, and that young 17-year-old for St. Etienne did all right. Um, but yeah, away from that, I saw the EFL Cup games, people. And obviously, you saw Brentford against Spurs. We all expected Spurs to win. Yeah, you know, there was a couple of moments. Brentford huffed and puffed. And, you know, we had the VAR with Ivan Tony. You know, it looks like a toenails offside. And, you know, there was a couple of good saves from Lloris. But other than that, really and truly, they weren't tested. I feel when Brentford looked back, they I think they played with a handbrake. I think they, they, they respected Spurs and the threat and Jose Mourinho too much rather than have a do or die attitude in that you know everyone expects you to go out it's 90 minutes you know it's a cup final at the end of this go and play like such I do think a lot of them Brentford players 
will leave would have left that pitch White Hart Lane on 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 the, on the evening and and thought I've got some regrets and that's the thing you shouldn't have any regrets at, in a semi final you go out there and you do it all you know Josh De Silva for Maguna I'm sure the Spurs fans loved him getting sent off you know very classy touch from Hoiberg after the game on social media you know Josh De Silva I can't lie again you can, I don't think it's a red. But you can say it's a red. It's, it's just because it's not intentional doesn't mean it's not dangerous. He tries to do a little flick, like chop it inside. He lo he loses his footing and obviously his trailing leg catches Hoiberg. You know, Hoiberg said he owes him a shin pad. To be fair to Hoiberg, he could have been rolling on the ground and did the most and accused him of malice, but he didn't. Like he said, he's a Viking. Um, so yeah, it was a disappointing day. You know, even Josh De Silva, there was one incident he shot and he banged it straight into Regulon when he could have chopped him. I've seen him with a bit more quality. So there's Brentford after beating Newcastle and getting so close. Ultimately, they're so far and that's all they're going to get from it. In relation to Manchester United versus City, it depends how you look at it. Because on one hand, I think you've got to look at how poor Man United were. But you've also got to look at how good Manchester City were. I'm not going to go as far as to say they were back. But it seems like they've all found a purple patch. You know, John Stone's rotunda and his resurgence is is fully back. You know, it was quite for me up prior to that. His best game was Southampton away people in the league. I think he was very good. And again, is he going to get back in the England squad? I believe deservedly so on the way he's playing. Ruben Dias, someone I wanted at Arsenal in 2018. Money well spent. And Portugal, better yet, Benfica is doing very well for Manchester City. When you look at the players they're buying from them, you know, um, they're doing quite well, all the players that have directly played for them. And I know Manchester City are monopolising all over the world and basically have a partnership club in all four corners. Like what, they've got someone in Asia, I'm sure. They've got a team, they've definitely got a team in France now. They've got a team in America. They're doing what they need to do. It'd be, it makes sense to sign, you know, to, to, buy, to try and buy Benfica again. Don't tempt their owners. And to be fair, we've got Benfica coming up in a couple of weeks. Let me stop chatting about them. But... You know, they were quality, man. Ruben Dias, quality. John Stones, quality. Raheem Sterling seems to have lost his shooting boots, but still doing a Mazzellini. You know, Kevin De Bruyne doing what he needs to do. It's just, you know, all 11 players fighting. The hunger is back. You know, they were many classes above Man United, how they played. Played them off the park. You know, United are lucky for the scoreline not to be worse. But on that, you know, when you away from, from how good Pep Guardiola was, I think it was a case of a poor manager, in Oli Golisosha, poor players and poor tactics yet again. You know, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I think Martial had a stinker. I think Bruno tries to force things. Fred looks a bit of a duck out of water. Don't understand Eric Bailly. I know you have to wrap Eric Bailly in cotton wool because he's quite injury prone. But for me, again, and this is obviously without knowing any sort of knocks and things he might be picking up. But for me, Watford, Manchester City, you know, Manchester, third round of the FA Cup, semi-finals of a cup against Manchester City, bragging rights, all of those things if you don't care about the competition. I don't understand the resting. I really don't. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I think Ole Gullah Solskjaer yet again showed his inexperience. For someone that's been managing in the game for 10 plus years now, it's, it's, uh, it's quite appalling. I do think people... Are, Maguire was poor, but I think people are laying the blame at the wrong people. I feel Luke Shaw was terrible and, you know, many Man United players are getting caught flat-footed at set-pieces for the first goal. It is quite poor. United can look at it and say, yeah, really two set-pieces or as a result of two set-pieces where these goals really came from. And, and people can say, don't focus on how poor United were, focus on how good City were. And there is some truth in that. 
But it was a woeful performance from Man United. And again, it's Man United. It's a semi-final. That team has a divine, not and it's not a divine right, but that team is ingrained, or previously under Salix Ferguson, ingrained with winning stuff and trophies. And to be so close yet so far, it's appalling. I think Martial needs to do some soul-searching. You know, I see more effort in diving than actually trying to affect the game in a positive sense. It is what it is in that regards, though, people. And yeah, Manchester City versus, you know, versus versus Spurs, you know, it's it's former Barca coach, former Madrid coach, and Jose Mourinho, whatever you say about him, trophies follow him wherever he goes. And if he does claim a trophy at Spurs, again, it, it further cements his legacy. Spurs fans will be happy at a trophy. Are you really telling me you've tied down Harry Kane to expensive deals, developed son, and he's got over 100 goals, spent 20 million on the loan fee of Gareth Bale just to win the League Cup, a cup that was previously played in February and has now been moved? Come on now. You gotta get the agendas ready, people. You gotta get the agendas ready. But on a serious note, you have to congratulate Spurs. They were handed a kind draw, but they got through to the next round. Um, it is what it is in that regards, and we'll see in May or April whenever that final is 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 hosted, people. In that regards, um, badly wish there was Premier League action. I'm not gonna sit here and cap with you lot, people. But it is what it is. Um, and obviously on Ole Gunnar he's lost as many domestic cup finals, cup semi-finals in the last twelve months as Alex Ferguson did in 26 years. And I think, again, I think it kind of shows, it highlights what people know in that when you win, it don't really mean anything. When you lose, you see how poor Man United are with Ole Gullosolsha. And I mean, he's messed up a lot of things. The players have to take responsibility because they're the ones playing. But And it's testament to how good Alex Ferguson is as a manager. But it's pretty damning that you've lost as many semi-finals in 12 months than 26 years. You have to be a real special kind of failure to do things like that, really and truly. And also... He'd have what, you know, big up rants um, because he said it in a perfect way. You know, he said what uh, he has, what he would describe. Oli had what he would describe as as a, as a Champions League sort of playoff. You know, he had three games and he needed to get one point. He failed to do that and advanced to the next stage. So when the pressure is on, when it's kind of a knockout sort of, not competition, but knockout sort of situation, he bottles it and he shows his tactically inept and, you know, he will he will do stuff like this and put a run of form together and all he has to do with the Watford one because if they lose to Watford man are going to look at Oli and say was it worth it is it worth it what was the point of that sort of thing so he's going to have to face a lot of criticism and have a lot to face people but let's see what happens in that regards people it is it is what it is congratulations to Spurs and Manchester City commiserations to Manchester United and Brentford um, it is well it is in that in, in that regards people carry on the theme with covid and things like that people apparently you know if you're under one has to wonder the knock-on effects that youth academy football is going to have because a lot of people have had their football disrupted obviously scouts and agents can't get onto the surface one has to wonder what is exactly going to happen and together with a lot of academies actually closing their academies through no for, from non-covid ideas um, as well, you know, one has to wonder for the future of English football people. Premier League clubs are set to enforce partial academy closures after the government's decision to impose a third national lockdown. There's talks over the immediate futures of top flight academies, which took place on Monday this week, people. And um, draft proposals have been drawn have been drawn up after the government imposed the lockdown. It's been put forward that ages under 16 and below won't play games in the short term. So again, if you're a good under 15s or 16s player, you're probably going to be able to play under 18s because that will keep going and you can play up and but but one one has to wonder you know what for the the john stones is the alex oxlade chamberlains the gareth bales you know the scott mctominay's the joe willocks you know 
these play and many others these players who they might be premier league players now or household names now but at these sort of ages they actually you know and what's what's his face as well um is it Davy Brooks? It might be Davy Brooks. You know, players that struggled physically, that weren't excelling to the point where they're going to be under 15s, 16s on the bench or playing for under 18s. You know, the people that probably needed to play age down, these lot are going to struggle now because they're not going to get game time. And there's only so much running around the field you can do, home workouts you can do, you know, that you can always improve technically. But one has to wonder how much can you improve without coaches and players around you. So it is going to harm them. And like I said, especially the players that might get there once upon a time, they might be a player of tomorrow. They might be the best in their group, but right now they're the most behind and they might be under 15s. But they need to actually play on the 14s because physically they're not ready. One has to wonder what happens to them sort of thing. is quite deep. You know, who knows? Maybe clubs will have, you know, in, in, in tandem with the under 18 schedule, maybe clubs will do, and I'm not sure how it will work, but under, you know, you might have, you might, let's just say Arsenal are playing in, in, in league football, but same way we might have, you know, under the guise of Arsenal's under 18s, we might have a friendly with, let's just say Spurs are local. So Arsenal and Spurs have under 18s friendly, but, you know, you might give chances. You might be an under-18s team, but these under-14s and 15s that aren't playing football, they might be the ones you give in the starting lineup. Spurs do the same. So there is ways to get around it. I'm not sure clubs will do that, though. Um, it is quite upsetting as well. It is quite upsetting. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Um, in relation to transfer news now and things like that, apparently Meza Ozil is basically a Fenerbahce player. For me, it's a bit of a sad end for Ozil in the sense of we know he needs to go, but I didn't. I don't like the way it's ended. One day we'll find the truth, but I don't like the way it's ended. And I think the way we've handled this exit, I'm not. Listen, we just need to get a goal of Ozil leaving the club. We've dug our heels, and ultimately, if this happens, we've accomplished our goal. But I do think it says more in the manner we've handled this. I think it says more about Arsenal than it does about Ozil because he won't get to say bye to the fans. We're a club that claim to do things with class. I don't think we've handled things with class. You know, we've got a, a rat or a mole who, despite the fact of three players have taken the wage cuts, it's just Mesut Ozil's name being linked, you know. He's, we're, you're not allowing him to say bye to the fans. I think for a club that claims doing things like a touch of class and all of these sort of things, it's quite disgraceful. But he does need to go. Together with Meza Ozil, Socrates, Mustafi, we could save and shave 600k, I believe, minimum a week off the wage bill, which obviously could be further invested elsewhere or put towards other things, people. We'll have to see. Apparently, Diego Simeone has hinted he could leave Atletico Madrid at the end of the season. Maybe he's a bit tired. He's been there a long time. It's a big project. He's previously been linked with Inter Milan, managed by Conte. He's always linked with Premier League teams. And I guess with someone like Lampard's future, he's someone you've got to throw into the hat with potentially Tuchel, maybe Allegri, as long as speculation st um, stays over Lampard. I'm not too sure where Simeone would go. I don't know if he'd manage another Spanish team. Maybe he's angling for another contract, but I wouldn't blame him. He's been there for a number of years. Football works in cycles. He's been there a long time. And maybe for Atletico to kick on to the next level again and for him to reach the next level as a manager, he needs to do it in another environment. They need to do it with another manager. Sometimes a change of scenery is required. Keeping up the managerial free, man, it's, it, is, it must be brilliant having this level of privilege, you know. He's, he's really, you know, got to a stage with really no experience. He got the Women's England job through doing F all really and truly. Um, you know, he's been linked with taking England for the Olympics. Phil Neville has actually been offered the chance to become head coach of David Beckham's MLS time team into Miami. Now, again, that's the class of 92 helping each other out. Um, so we have to see what that means. Um, 
Apparently, Mezit, um, Mezit, Mo, Mohamed Salah doesn't feel love that Liverpool and wants to leave Anfield with a move to Real Madrid. Very appealing for the winger. Now, I'm not too sure you can say you don't feel loved. You know, you got people in Liverpool naming their kids Mo and Mohamed and these things purely after you. You know, you, Liverpool. I, I, I can. I can't speak for Liverpool their fans, but I, I'd say Liverpool love you. They sing you. They, they chant you. I think on one hand, this is paper talk. I wouldn't be surprised if Mo Salah signs an improved deal. But I will. Wouldn't. I'm not too sure for the feel the love thing. But I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't be against him moving. Not that I have any relevance if I was him. Because if you're him, Ronaldo, Mane, Klopp, you know, you got to remember, none of these men grew up in England. They're not Liverpool fans and things like that. You just got to look at when you're at a company for a while and there's a project, you know, they've done a lot of groundbreaking stuff, you know, got to a Champions League final, then won it, got close to the Premier League, then won it, could actually retain it. You know, they've done some good things. But football works in cycles and one has to wonder how long will this persist, you know. Um, they do need to rebuild and Klopp knows that he's tried to bring in Werner at a time. He's tried to bring in Fakir. So he knows they need to adapt and whatnot. And one has to wonder, you know, it takes time to do this. Having been part of a project, is it is there no time, better time to bow out than now? You know, you've had a great time at Liverpool. You know, you've won all the stuff at Liverpool. You know, Mohamed Salah, like Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane. I said it in every, in every, in every podcast, you know, they're three of the best one season wonders ever, you know. Mo Salah shut up a lot of people one season wonder why Liverpool signing him Chelsea reject he's not good enough and all of these things he's one of the best players to have ever kicked a ball in the Premier League and he's got the trophies to match he's got the records to match but it wouldn't surprise me if you know you've been you know you've done the Italy thing you've done the Liverpool thing at my age now I'd like to go to La Liga and things now the problem or the benefit for Liverpool is as good as Mo Salah is I don't know if he's Real Madrid or Barcelona's priorities and obviously with the Covid stuff in mind it, it gives it means these clubs have less money to play around with so again that's news to Liverpool if he doesn't go to them teams there then I don't really know if there's a team on the planet worth going to unless, unless it's Bayern Munich or, or PSG or something like that or Juventus teams that I don't personally know are going to move for him for Arsenal fans, is expected, you know, in the same way we moved away from Shabozla and Alwa, apparently we're likely to shelve interest in Buendia as we can't essentially come to an agreement with Norwich. Apparently they want 40 million. And again, it's just down to Arsenal being reactive rather than proactive. Very few good players are available. Nobody wants to sell good players. Every player has a price, but nobody wants to sell. Why would any manager or any club want to sell a player that's an actual good player? Football's simple. So when you want someone, you have to force the issue. I'm not saying you have to spend 40 million, but you have to kind of show Norwich that we're not taking no for an answer to the point where the, the player, who apparently is interested in making the move, has something to say on the matter. But again, that's what I mean. You know, rather than these reactive, Arsenal seem to go for players that have one foot out the door. Socrates, David Luiz, you know, you know, Gabriel and Pepe weren't exactly that, but they're bought from a selling club. So you don't really have to try too hard. Thomas Partey had a release clause, you know. You had to force, if you wanted our, you have to force the issue. Shabozlai forced the issue. That's why their man there are not at Arsenal. Upper Meccano forced the issue. That's why, once again, their man there are not at Arsenal Football Club. It's as simple as that, really and truly. So... It is what it is in that regard. Apparently, Pochettino wants to sign his compatriot and fellow countryman, um, Sergio Aguero, on a free on a free signing after his contract's up at the end of this season. Sergio Aguero at PSG? Hmm. Apparently, they want Lionel Messi. So, how's it all going to work? You know, you'd have to probably get rid of Icardi. But again, you know, Sergio, what's it? Sergio Aguero, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar. Let's just say they sign Messi and play Messi behind them. 
it's a scary sight. You know, you got Moise Keane on the bench. You know, Akadi's days are probably numbered still, but it will be quite the signing. And for Sergio Aguero, it might be something to consider, really. You know, you've been in the Prem for a while. It might be time to try something new. Like I said earlier, apparently Barcelona, Bayern Munich, apologies, are in advanced talks to sign Omar Richards as a free agent in the summer from Reading. Sebastian Hallier apparently has completed his medical at Ajax ahead of a £25 million move from West Ham. He will sign his contract and, and probably by the time this podcast comes out, he'll be an Ajax player, which is good for him. Also, he leaves having scored one of the goal, West Ham's goals of the season, really. He scored a banger the other week. According to L'Equipe, Atletico Madrid have submitted a loan offer to Lyon for Moussa Dembele. Um, could be a good signing for them. Man United, as you lot know, have confirmed the signing of, well, he's officially completed his move. Um, Ahmad Diallo from Atlanta. He signs on a five-year deal with an option of another year, £37 million. Um, Man United have also been told apparently they would have to pay at least £90 million if they wish to sign Jack Grealish this summer. Apparently, Liverpool are interested in Sergio Ramos and David Alaba and free transfers would be quite the additions to Liverpool, but I'm not sure I buy that. Wijnaldum has apparently, speaking of Liverpool, rejected their latest contract offer. Apparently, Lionel Messi has told Neymar he is planning to leave Barcelona in the summer and join Paris Saint-Germain. Make of that what you will, people. Steve Bruce is apparently looking in the loan market and apparently he is looking at moves for Jesse Lingard, Phil Jones and Brandon Williams. I'm not too sure you can get more than one, maybe two max loan players from a single Premier League team. I think it is just one, but I don't know. You know, Spurs are still linked with Marcel Sabitza apparently for the summer, but they're unlikely to sign the 26-year-old this window. Um, Marcus Edwards apparently has signed a new deal um, at Victoria, ending West Ham's hopes of getting him. He's now got a £45 million release clause, um, so make of that what you will. There's not too many other rumours in that regards, people. Um, you know, it's, it's quite a slow news day. So, like I said, we've spoken about the EFL action. We've previewed the FA Cup. We've touched on some other talking points. There's really nothing more for me to go on about. I'll be back here again on, I believe, Monday. I'll be here on Monday because there's no Monday evening fixtures. But if there are, keep a lookout for the DG podcast, Deluded podcast for Tuesday. But on that note, I've loved speaking with you guys. But it's time to make some other video content. Please make sure you're following across all my socials. Links are in the description. Deludaguna04 on everything from Twitter to Facebook. Snapchat Daguna04. So yeah, man. Thank you very much for tuning in, people. I'm even on Clubhouse for those of you that are on that. But on that note, it's always a pleasure. It's been a fantastic 40-odd minutes. But until we meet again, people. I'm out. Make sure you're following across Apple, Spotify and the rest of it for the rest for, for the latest updates on this podcast. But like I said, God bless. I'm out.